Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's great to be together. And um, it's been a pretty weird 18 months, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, comparative to what I have experienced in uh, my 30 years of life, the past 18 months has definitely been some of the weirdest. Um, and although we are definitely nearing a time where we will, at some point soon, hopefully, see all the caveats I'm putting in, um, experience some sense of normality, uh, I think it's, it's exciting. It's, it's exciting to know what is coming. It's exciting to um, think about what could be coming as well, because some of that is, is unknown. Um, but I also think it's a definitely a time to prepare and to say, what is actually coming next? Because really, whatever my plans are, whatever I'm thinking about, whatever I'd like to see happen, doesn't really matter in the context of what Jesus has for me next. And I think at a time where everything's changing, I've, I've got ideas, I've got thoughts, but what is critical is that I know Jesus what have you got for me? What do you want for me in this next season? And uh, it's, it's quite a unique experience. One of the things that I've really noticed over the past 18 months, which has been really unique, is that we're all experiencing season changes together. You know, we all experience, ooh, we can have people in our house now together. We all experience, I can't have any people in my house now together. <laughs> And in a very strange way, that doesn't normally happen. Even in the natural cycles of life, you know, you speak to your friends and you're like, oh, do you remember the summer last year? It was gorgeous. And they're like, no, because I went to the Peak District and it was disgusting for that two weeks, you know. But actually, in, in a weird way, we're experiencing stuff together in a way that we wouldn't normally. And uh, what that means is that when we talk about what should we be doing together at this stage, it probably has a bit more of a, um, an all-encompassing uh, answer to it, where we can say together as a people, what should we be doing? And in some ways, it could look quite similar. And so this morning, what I want to do is unpack a little bit of what David shared last week um, from his uh, encouragement about a love tsunami. If you could have given me a thousand guesses of what David's title would have been last week, love tsunami would not have been one of them. But I, um, I want to ask the question this morning, off the back of that, is what's your letter? What's your letter? Because when we read in Revelation about the letters that Jesus wrote to the church, he was writing something to them, and at the end of all of those letters, it said, let, you know, he who has ears, let him hear what uh, the Spirit is saying to the churches. And there was a very definite um, indication that these words were being spoken to people. They weren't being spoken to an organization, they were being spoken to groups of people, the church. And what's really important to me at this point in, in time is what is Jesus' letter to me? Not only to the church, which will feed into that, not only to my family, because that will feed into that, but what is Jesus' letter to me? Adults, kids, youth, it does not matter, all of us together, what is Jesus' individual word to us right now about what he wants for us? Now, when I share normally, I would frequently use the, the phrase us rather than I, 
because I want to make it clear that I'm not talking to you as if excluding myself from that, because actually when I'm speaking, I'm saying that in the context of all of us together. We, we should be asking ourselves these same questions. But I just felt this morning as I was preparing, I wanted to use that, that phrase, I. What is uh, the, that individual essence of it? What's your letter? Just so that we have in our mind, this really applies to me. So just know, when I say I, when I say your, I'm still including myself in that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but the reason I want to do that as well is, I think it can, be, it can be easy to look around and think I'm doing okay and everything is the way it should be because of what I see around me. I can't look at Lauren, my wife, and judge my relationship with God and how well she's doing. Okay? I have to be honest with myself to say, where am I at? Where, um, where is my life going? Where's the direction of my life traveling? I might be part of a phenomenal church full of incredible people, but what is Jesus saying to me at this moment? So I just want to share with you a little bit about, uh, this morning, one of the things I want to do is I just want to be really honest and really practical. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna predominantly, uh, I'm gonna share with you about what Jesus has been saying to me because I want to encourage a sense of openness and honesty amongst us to be able to say, um, do you know what? Life isn't always easy. It's not always straightforward. Um, and I don't know about you, but I look around this church and so often I think, these people are just amazing and they can't, they can't be anything less than perfect because look at them, they're phenomenal. And yet, um, I know myself better than anyone. <laughs> and so I'm very conscious of the things that are going on in my life. And, and I just want to be honest about the letter that Jesus has been writing to me to encourage us all to be able to ask that same question. So the past 18 months, this is what it's been like for me. You may be able to relate, maybe not, but here we go. Everything has dragged. And yet, everything has gone really fast. <laughs> Um, it doesn't seem that long ago that I was having uh, a love-hate relationship with jigsaws, and yet it seems like a lifetime ago last summer. The past 18 months for me has been full of real highs and probably some of the lowest times of my whole life up to this point. And just to be really honest, for me, I think a lot of this time has just sort of happened um, I generally am quite an intentional person with my life. I don't plan everything to the detail, but I have a general gist of like where I'm going, of what is happening, of where I want to progress to. And so much of this past 18 months has just unfurled in front of me. Um, I've tried to plan things, and often either circumstances or Boris have stopped them happening, you know? Um, and it's just the way that life has been. And, and it's been a strange time for me in that respect because life has just kind of day by day unraveled. And to be clear, I don't think that's a bad thing. It's okay that at certain times in our life, we're just dealing with stuff day by day because we don't know what tomorrow is gonna to bring and therefore it just happens and we walk with Jesus through that and go on with Jesus through that. Um, but it, it can be uh, unsettling to not have that certainty, to not be achieving those goals that I had in mind. Now, especially as everything is about to change again <laughs> for us all, um, hopefully, <laughs> soon, um, 
I think it's a great opportunity for us to take a pause as a people and just to say, whatever this past 18 months has been like, Jesus, what are you saying to us for this next season? What are you saying? What is your letter to me for this time ahead? Because if we go back to um, David's word from last week, he kind of finished up with this question of, are you all in for this love tsunami, for this love to overflow and our love to overflow to him, to each other and to the world around us? And I'm, I'm hearing that word, and I'm like, yes, Lord, I am in for that. You know, I was here, and every, like everyone's standing up, yes, I'm in. Speaking to people at home, yes, I'm in for that. But when I come away from that and actually think about that, the honest answer for me was, yes, but. And the reason it was, yes, but, <laughs> is because if I say yes, I have to consider why I'm not seeing that right now. Because if I'm that in for that, I mean, it's not, it's not revolutionary, is it? Love the world, <laughs> love your neighbor, love God. These are the basic commands of scripture. And yet I'm saying, yes, I'm in for more and more of that. And so I have to say, if I'm not seeing that happen right now, what's going on? Like, does something need to change in my life? Now, just to be clear, there might not be. Because in the letter that Jesus writes to Philadelphia, Um, in uh, chapter 3 of Revelation, he's not going into that circumstance to chastise them, uh, to challenge them. He's not not, um, saying anything. He's essentially uh, telling them uh, from in verse, um, uh, verse 11 here, it says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He's saying to them, hold on, keep doing what you're doing. When you read that letter, you see God's um, joy in the way that their life is uh, moving and the direction in which it's going. And he essentially just says, keep doing what you're doing. Keep going. And therefore, something might not need to change. The word, part of your letter right now, might be keep going in this. Keep going. And at the right time, you will see a reward. You will see a harvest. See, I think that that is a, it's a really healthy question to ask. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? What letter are you writing to me right now? How can I align my life more and more with you? Because I would rather ask that question before Jesus needs to step in like he did in Revelation. <laughs> I suspect that the things we read in these letters were not the first time Jesus had tried to speak to people in these churches about these things. I don't believe that Jesus watches our lives and goes, that's going badly, doesn't say anything, wait for it to get to critical, and then go, by the way, I'm going to come in and remove your lampstand if you don't change this. I, I, I just, I've never seen that in, in the way that Jesus has dealt with me. He has always been willing to step in at the earliest point of something and say, hey, nip this in the bud deal with this. But I also know my own life at times, I haven't always been that responsive to those things. And then other people have come into my life and spoken into my life and said, hey, look, Jesus has just been telling me about this in your life. Because Jesus 
he doesn't want any of us. He's always looking to, to express life to us, for us to enjoy life and life to the fullness. And it's, it, it's really healthy to say, Jesus, whatever you want to say in the busyness of life, in the business of everything going on, um, whatever you want to say, how, no matter how hard it is to hear, I'm listening. I'm listening. And I'm open. Because we all know that the gospel is not a motivational pat on the back to say, I'm great. Thanks, Jesus. You've, you've really got a winner here. <laughs> um, he doesn't come into our life and um, kind of just accept that nothing needs to change. Jesus comes to change the entire world. Jesus comes into a broken world to broken people and says, despite all of your brokenness, I love you and you are amazing that you're, you're not worthy, but yet I'm going to make you worthy. I'm going to clothe you with beauty. I'm going to take away your ashes and give you joy. I'm going to make you beautiful, but it has nothing to do with what I deserve. It has nothing to do with me. I, I do not get to kind of think, I pray a prayer, great, now just wait for heaven. No, Jesus is constantly moving us with him to make us more like him so that we are ready for his return. And the truth is sometimes I need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded that in the busyness of life, when I haven't even got time to think about what's going on because I'm just dealing with what's in front of me, or actually at times when things aren't so busy and life is just kind of stuck into cruise control and just going along, and I need to be reminded of what actually matters. Because it's really easy to, because following Jesus isn't always the easiest thing to do. And so there's definitely aspects of life which are easier if I'm just like, this is nice. <laughs> But I gave my life to Jesus. I gave him my life. I gave him what I had, which, do you know what, was very little in comparison to the fact that he gave me everything. Absolutely everything. And I want to keep that in the forefront of my mind. I want to be reminded that Jesus deserves to be pursued with every single second, with everything I have. Jesus, all I am is yours because there's no other name that compares to you. There's no one above you. There's no one, uh, there's no one that could compete with you. And you know what? That includes me. <laughs> now, what I'm not saying is we need to go on some witch hunt and find every little part of us that does not measure up to Christ's standard because if we did that, I would be here for a very long time with a very long list and that's not the idea. I'm also very conscious of the fact that one of the main things that David has said to me over the years as he has uh, discipled me and looked after me is chill out a bit, Mike. <laughs> so I am, I am conscious of the fact that this can be taken to an extreme where you just look for every single thing that's possibly wrong. But what I've found is that there is a tremendous grace in just saying, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? And you know what? Some of those things haven't always been easy to hear. But actually, when I'm attentive to his voice, he, he gives you a grace to deal with whatever he says to you. And I find that so beautiful. Now... I think the letters in Revelation give us three, um, in particular, things that I want to highlight today. Uh, uh, three things that 
Show us the way that God might speak to us. Not necessarily what he is saying specifically, but three ways in which, three things in which he might speak to us about. So, the first is that in every single letter that Jesus writes to the churches, he has something encouraging to say. Even to Laodicea. (laughs) Um, Because even to them, he makes his love for them really clear despite their behavior. If you you have a look at this, uh, in chapter 3, now this this is a tough letter to read to the church in Laodicea, right? It's not easy, but in verse 19 of chapter 3, he's kind of gone through and, and he's been really tough with them. And then in 19 he says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, do you know what? At times when I was a child and uh, I was getting told off for being naughty, which is not what Jesus is doing here, (laughs) but I was always really encouraged when my parents reminded me of their love for me despite my behavior and what I was doing. And Jesus does that here. He encourages, he reaffirms, he says, do you know what? It doesn't matter what's going on. My love for you has not changed. And Jesus always, always, always has something encouraging for us. Even in the most difficult of times. Because nothing God ever says to us when it's tough to hear will be outside of the motivation of his love and his desire for us to live. Jesus was not desiring to remove lampstands. He wasn't looking, thinking, well, okay, do you know what? You're done. You're done. I'm closing you down. No. He comes in and says, change. Change. Allow me to change that which is not bringing you life. Because he has come that we would have life and life to the fullness. The second thing is that Jesus commends churches on the things they're doing well. And in fact, with Philadelphia, like I've already said, um, he makes his love for them really clear despite... uh, Sorry, um, he makes his love really clear for them and encourages them to keep going and to hold on because what they're doing is amazing. What they're doing is great. And right now, that might be your uh, your letter. Jesus might be writing to you just saying, keep going, hold on, you're doing great. Just keep moving. The third thing is that he might remind you about things he's previously said to you. To the Ephesians, he commends them in chapter 2, verse 2. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them them false. You've persevered and you've endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. And in um, Acts 20, uh, verse 28, this was the word of God to them at the time. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he has bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come among you and will not spare the flock. 
Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years I've never stopped warning each of you, night and day with tears. See, the word of God to them was beware, and then the word to the God of them, it, uh, for them in Revelation was well done. Now, there was challenge, and there had been cost where they'd, where they'd erred too far on the side of getting everything right, and they'd forgotten their first love. But I'm just conscious that when Jesus speaks to me, so often he'll remind me of things that he said to me previously, either because I've forgotten them and I need to remember them because I need to keep pressing on to see them come to pass because I don't want to despise the word that he's spoken to me. But also, do you know what? Jesus sometimes just says, hey, you know that thing I told you to do? You did it. Well done. (laughs) Like you finished it. You achieved it. You achieved what I asked you to do. And we should be conscious of what God has said to us to enjoy the fact that, hey, I'm, I'm moving with Jesus. He is taking me on and, and I'm doing the things that he's asked me to do. So there are three things that I, I think, they're ways that God might speak to us and things he might speak to us about. He will always encourage us, even when it's tough to hear. He will um, commend you on the things that you are doing right now, that he wants to encourage you in, he wants you to keep going in. And the third thing was that he, will, um, he, he may speak to you about things he's said to you before. Renew old dreams, commend you on the things that he's said to you and you've done. And then there are three ways, um, there are three things today that I just want to uh, sh- uh, kind of encourage us on um, to ask God about, which was from what David shared last week. Because the, the, the Ephesians, they were challenged on, in terms of their love, there were three areas. Their love for him, their love for each other, and their love for the world. And I want to pose some questions to us this morning, share a couple of stories, just about how Jesus has been speaking to me about these things. Um, and, and just say, maybe these questions will help you and will prompt you um, in asking Jesus, what is he saying to you right now? So first of all, our love for him. The questions that I've been asking myself and I would encourage you to ask is, how does Jesus want to encourage you in your love for him? How does he want to commend you for how you've loved him and you continue to love him? But where do you feel challenged in expressing your love for Jesus? See, for me... One of the things recently in terms of my love for Jesus and expressing that to him has been uh, the fact that that Jesus emphasized to me and made me realize that I had equated joy with entertainment. And what I mean by that is that I quite like entertainment and I, I enjoy that. That makes me happy. It's fun. Yeah. But the reality is, is when I come to spend time with Jesus, he's not there to entertain me. (laughs) I don't come into his presence to be entertained. I come into his presence because he's worthy and he's worth it. And that when I come into his presence, when I come to pray, when I come to the word, there is a deep joy that I experience, but it's not always fun. Do you you understand what I'm saying here? I'm I'm, I'm not saying Jesus in any way is boring, but do you know what? When Jesus says to Peter, can you not even tarry for an hour in prayer? Okay, that's because praying for an hour isn't always easy. (laughs) It takes effort. 
and I'd, I'd, I'd come to this place in my mind where I was finding it hard. Um, I was finding it harder than I normally would to spend time with God because I was coming into his presence and I wasn't being entertained. And I was kind of like, well, you know, this is, this is harder. And therefore, maybe my time, the time that I'd spend doing that, I dropped off a little bit. And Jesus went, I'm not here to entertain you. <laughs> You're here for me. And I was just challenged with that. And I said, okay, Lord, I need to, I need to discipline myself. I need to be conscious. And, and actually, it's when you come away from being with Jesus, there's no question of the joy and the deep satisfaction that you feel in being with him. No question at all. But he's not there to entertain me. And, but in the midst of that, what I found was that the past uh, six months or so for me have been particularly difficult, just for different reasons, varying things going on, and I hadn't realised how much the past six months had affected me. And I, and I said to you, you know, um, it was probably one of the lowest times in my life in the past six months. Really, really, and, and, and I wasn't even conscious of how I was feeling. Um, I just, I didn't realise. And so I, I, I'd, I'd kind of just stopped a lot of things that would do me good. I wasn't, because, because I wasn't feeling great, I wasn't eating so well, I wasn't exercising, I wasn't, um, I was spending time with Jesus, but I was finding time in his word in particular really tough. And, um, and when I came to realize what had been happening and how I was feeling, the first thing I was overwhelmed with was this just sense of love and connection with Jesus um, just that I knew that during that entire time he had been so close and it wasn't linked at all to what I was doing. <laughs> you know, the fact that I had been um, not putting myself in, a, in the best position to be uh, healthy and, and joyful uh, and uh, there were all those things going on, but none of that, none of that was linked to the fact that he absolutely loved me and walked with me every step of the way through what was going on and continues to do so. And so in the midst of that, I'm challenged to say, God, I want to be with you more. And he's like, yes, I want you to be with me more. I want you to reorientate why you're spending time with me and what you can expect with that. But in the same breath, knowing this love and depth of connection with Jesus that I realized could not be taken away from me, no matter what the, whatever was going on. Second thing is our love for each other. And the questions I'd encourage you to ask are, firstly, does Jesus want to speak to you about what you think about yourself? Because it was a revelation to me when I realized I'm supposed to love my neighbor like I love myself. And therefore, how I think about myself and how I love myself massively impacts on how I'm going to love my neighbor. Um, I, I'm just uh, generally... I have very high expectations of myself and I can be very hard on myself and that's not something to be proud of <laughs> because actually what that meant uh, when Jesus spoke to me about this and showed me that actually what that meant was I, was I was putting too high expectations on other people. I had these expectations to myself and in and of themselves they weren't necessarily bad but the way I would treat myself if I didn't achieve them was not loving. I didn't love myself in that way. And therefore, I had to be really conscious of how I treated other people because I love my neighbor as I love myself. Brief relief from those lights for a second. Thank you. <laughs> and so that's the first question I want to pose is, what do you think about yourself? We should love ourselves. 
because Jesus values us an incredible amount. Second question I'd just encourage you is, how are you currently expressing your love for the body? Because for many of us, there have been really practical things while we live together, serve together, but the past 18 months have been very different. And I've had, to be, I've had to completely reorientate the way that I love people and care for them because I have to be a lot more deliberate about that. I don't know about you, but that's just one of the things that I've found is because all these people that I'd just take it for granted that I'd see week to week with stuff going on and I can catch up with, I haven't been able to. I've had to reorientate that and be really deliberate. And then the third question is, are there any ways that Jesus wants us to be more conscious of the body? at the moment in terms of the way we love each other are there people that he's highlighting to you that he wants to encourage you to get in touch with are there people where he wants to just show you what's going on with them at the moment and therefore for more grace and mercy for one another at this time are there any things that we could be more conscious of the body with and thirdly is our love for the world And uh, the questions I'd encourage you to ask in those settings are, what areas of your life um, as a Christian already bless people around you? Because there will be. You know, Acts tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be made a witness. You don't get a choice. (laughs) If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're a witness for Jesus because he is in you and he's expressing love to people around you. He's expressing his life to people around you all the time. But the question that you could ask and say, Jesus, is he asking us to do, um, uh, what is he asking us to do to see more people around us experience the love of God? Because we can be deliberate about that as well. And for me, during this time, I was like, I actually need to be around some Christian, uh, some non-Christians. <laughs> because my work generally does not bring me around loads of non-Christians. And to be honest, this is something that I had been reminded about because Jesus has told me this before. It's like, you need to be conscious about being around non-Christians. I was like, yeah, but lockdown, but, you know, I've got stuff to do. I've got responsibilities. I've got people to care for. And it was like, yeah, but you need to be around (laughs) non-Christians. You need to be around people that you can share your life with and speak to about me and, and, and just demonstrate the love of God to. And so that was a really clear thing for me during this time was just to go, do you know what? I need to not make excuses. I need to not be lazy with what God has challenged me with and just say, do you know what? If it costs me, I just need to be around more non-Christians. And so for me, it was like, I actually just need to get out of bed early enough to go to the gym. <laughs> because if I do that, like... I'll be around loads of non-Christians and I'll be around the same non-Christians all the time because they're there. They've got up early and they're actually doing it. And so I can actually be around people and I can make some relationships and you start doing it and you're like, wow, God, you were right. (laughs) It's amazing when that happens. But I hope this morning you can see and, and you're encouraged by the fact that we're not going on a witch hunt. We're not trying to find out everything that isn't right. But it's just saying, Jesus, there's a, there's a really specific time coming up. There's opportunities ahead. And I don't just want to fall into them. I want to be really deliberate. And I want to ask, what is it that you are saying to me right now? I want to encourage you, really simply, ask God to speak to you. 
really clearly about the next season. What he's saying to us about our love for him, about our love for each other, and about our love for the world. And remember, he will always speak words of life, even if they're hard to hear. He will commend you because Jesus encourages and builds up. And he wants to remind us of things that he said to us before so that we can see them come to pass. So that's what I want to share with you this morning. And I hope um, for those of you now who are either going to go meet with people, um, if you're already here and you're uh, you're heading out, or if you're already with people now, I know some life groups have been uh, getting together and people will be in each other's homes and gardens and stuff like that. I want to just just say, have a great afternoon, enjoy fellowship together, break bread together, eat with each other, enjoy one one another's company, and you know what? Talk about these things, encourage each other, pray with each other, and spur one another on to love and good works. So have a fantastic afternoon, have a great day, enjoy the life of Jesus together, and we will see you again soon. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.